You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, flippin' flawless flash bulbs flaunting flavors. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 152. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your flock of flamethrowing flamingos flabbergasted by flautas and flan. Mm. Mm. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm very hungry after that. But mostly I'm Chris. You oh. dip the flauta right in the flan. Oh. It's like the fries in the milkshake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it actually is very yeah, It's very similar it to just that. blew my yeah. mind. A custard Rito mm-hmm. or something. Custard Rito. Yep. I have a quick shout out. This is from Josh, his fiance, Nicole. Nicole was the one who wrote in and requested a comic book theme quiz that birthed X-Men House. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. That was a long time ago. That, that was, was like a while ago. Two years ago. Mm-hmm. And they are a couple days away from their wedding. And I just want to give a a cool shout out. Uh, Congratulations. Congratulations. Josh and Nicole. And all right, without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. And you guys have your barnyard buzzers. They're back. All right, random card. Here we go. Here we go. Whoa, random trivial pursuit. Many different different types of trivial pursuit cards. We don't know what's going to come out. Truly uh, random. 90s! Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Okay. All right. 90s Trivial Pursuit card. Here we go. I keep hoping for Baby Boomer, but... <laughs> no. <90s>. <laughs> <laughs> or Star Wars. Or Star no. Wars. Or no. Star- no, no. <laughs> all right. 90s. Here we go. Uh, Blue Edge. Who was the only cast member of the Larry Sanders show to cop an Emmy? Collins. Uh, I've never watched the show, so I've never. Uh, it's a yeah, good show. Was that uh, Jeffrey Tambor? Incorrect. Mm. I have no idea. It's not Gary Sh- or Larry Sanders. Yeah, maybe no. we should all guess Gary Shandling just because. Nope. No. no. Oh, it's. Oh, I, 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 I won't take a second bite. But. No, please do. do it. Uh, was it Rip Torn? Rip Torn. Oh, Rip Torn. He's great. He's great. Mm. Oh my God, he's a. If you can dodge a wrench, you can. Yeah. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Well, he's also the Jack's boss at, at GE on Thirty One. Yeah, he's too. like in every everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Pink Wedge. Who was hit with a $9 million lawsuit for backing out of a deal to play an armless, legless woman in Boxing Helena? Oh. Which is a movie. Yes. Yeah, who was I guess um, about an armless, legless woman. <laughs> All right. This is a guess. Was it Kim Bessinger? Kim Basinger, oh, correct. Oh. Yes. And it was uh, Sherilyn Fenn, I think, took the role. Was it really? Armless and Legless? She yeah. was. It was a, it was like a, a, it was a strange thing, movie. Right? It was a weird movie, yeah. Okay. Art wow. Garfunkel was in that as well. <laughs> really? Yes. Wait, the musician? Yes. Yeah. Yellow Wedge, who became Britain's longest continuously serving prime minister of the 20th century? Chris. Margaret Thatcher? Correct! Okay. Margaret Thatcher. The 90s. The Iron Lady. The 90s. Purple Wedge, what hip-hop term mm. do some flyboys trace back <laughs> to, <laughs> quote, physically attractive or, quote, pretty hips and thighs? <laughs> Fats. Yes! Oh, 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 oh yeah. Physically yes. attractive, hips pretty hips and, and those thighs. are backronyms. Oh! Yeah. Uh, 
Green Wedge, what NBA team won 72 out of 82 games in the 1995-96 season? I'm going to let you guys answer that. Wait. Okay. The Bulls. Correct! Yeah. Chicago Bulls. Yeah, this is 90s this is and basketball. 90s That's basketball. Michael Jordan. Yeah. 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 Thank yep. you, Colin. He wasn't yep. playing baseball. Yeah. Let's just that, one. <laughs> that is still the record, by the way. Best record in a season. Oh, yeah. Really? 72 and 10. All right, last question of our 90s card. What giant internet outfit scooped up Netscape in a bid to corner the browser market? Wow, 90s. Dana. <laughs> Yahoo? Incorrect. No. What Netscape? What giant internet uh, outfit, outfit scooped, scooped up, up Netscape? Netscape? Scooped up? Scooped up Netscape. Oh, is that a clue? Not Mozilla? No. Mozilla was the... I believe it's AOL. Correct. Oh, America uh, Online. America Online. Oh, wow. Giant internet they did outfit. Have those bro- wow, those are some words I haven't heard in a really <laughs> long time. 90s. Good job, wow. Brain. The 19 years. So today's episode... I usually talk about what inspired me to pick the topic. This was weird. I had a dream. And I had a dream about we, we were recording and I made a quiz pairing up actors <laughs> who played presidents and vice presidents. Oh. Like I would give you the pair. Whoa. Okay. And then okay. you guys right. guess. Like I dreamt that. Yeah. And, and yeah. then I was like, this, I, I woke up. Quiz. I was like, that, that's a good quiz. <laughs> yeah. that, that should be a good episode about leaders, world yeah. leaders, uh, leadings. And did you do the quiz? I did not write the quiz. That's Wait, what? Is, is that was a good quiz. Whole point is a good quiz. I, I know. I'll do it next time. That's the ironic thing. I like. Aaron, I did it. it next time. I, mean, I got as far as I got as far as Harrison Ford and Glenn Close, uh-huh. and then that was like it. And I was like, no, I'm going to talk about something else. But um, um, so today's episode is not only on world leaders, but also sports leaders uh, leading the pack. Uh, and so this week, follow the leader. As we were coordinating the topics for this episode, Karen, you were like, Colin, you're not going to do a sports topic? So I felt obligated. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the leaders in sports. Uh, we call them coaches or managers, <laughs> uh, at least for the North American pro sports. Wait, um, heard, heard of those. Two. What do they call them <laughs> elsewhere? So I'm going to start. I have some photos here I'm going to show okay. you guys. And these, these, uh, Colin, you dear, know, this is a podcast. Dear listener, don't like worry. An audio podcast. Don't no, worry. He's just trying to like listener. make us look. No, no, no. This is. This is, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you guys are gonna sort of talk through the intro to this segment here. Right, so okay, I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna start by showing you a photo here of, this is coach Tom Landry, legendary oh, coach oh, of the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys in the uh-huh. 1970s. Yes. Good old Tom Landry, uh-huh. square jaw, yeah. hat. That Fedora, man, yeah. that man means business. Yeah. Okay. It's the name of the school in King of the Hill. Yes. Tom Landry Middle School. Oh, right. There you go. There you go. All right. And here I have a photo of Coach Pat Riley oh. uh, from his days coaching the Los Angeles Lakers in the Showtime era. These are tall dudes. Well, you know, I mean, he was a former basketball player, Pat oh, Riley, oh, so okay. he's going to be on the tall side. You know, there's Pat in his uh, trademark Armani suit and mm. slicked back hair. Oh. And lastly, I'm going to show you a photo of Joe Torre, famously managed the New York Yankees in the 90s and the 2000s, won some championships along the way. Now... 
looking at these three photos, I want you guys to just sort of talk through what's what's different among these three photos here. Now, I should say these are all these men are all on the job. This is Joe Torre yeah. during so, a baseball game, Tom Landry during a football game, Pat Riley during a baseball game. Baseball uh, Pat Riley during baseball a basketball game. Managers wear the uniform that the players wear. They yes. all sit there in the uniform in the dugout together. Why is that? Why do baseball managers yeah. wear the uniform? Because the football, oh. the Pat Riley and uh, uh, the other dude, they're wearing suits and stuff. Yeah, and I'll give you a little hint here. It's it's sort of related to the reason that in it, Major League Baseball we call them the manager. Yeah, not the coach. As opposed to I'm, the coach. I'm guessing that the manager originally was a player on the team. In the original days of sure. professional baseball and even semi-pro clubs, yeah. the, the person that we now call the manager would have been a player on the team. Mm-hmm. They would have called him usually like captain or, yeah. you know, yeah, he would have been uh, a player on the team, not just, mm. you know, making the decision of, you know, who's pitching, what's what's our batting lineup, but also yeah. actually getting out on the field and playing uh, when he wasn't in the dugout. Wow. Now, there were teams, even, even going back into the 1800s, baseball teams, where their... The person who made those decisions would not have been a player as well, in which case he would just wear street clothes. Mm-hmm. So it was really only that case of if you're a baseball team and the manager is a player, he wears the uniform. Hmm. Now, it has been years, decades. <laughs> it has been a long, long time right. since there has been a team since where MLB team, right, actually yeah. had a yeah. manager who would play. But is that possible? So most teams, it's funny, you know, most pro sports teams these days, it would actually be really complicated because there's collective bargaining agreement rules oh, about right. contracts. It would be a really easy way around salaries. You could say like, oh no, we're just playing, you know, we're just paying the superstar $5 as a player. We're paying him 30 million to be our coach. Yeah. You know, oh. and you could, you could circumvent salary caps and things like that. Interesting. Um, it's also just makes more sense to just devote all of your effort to have real players 100% focused on playing and have one person 100% focused on running the team are the managers they tend to be older right they do tend to be older and you know i mean in most sports not just in america in in most sports the coaches and managers tend to have been ex-players generally Mm -hmm. generally speaking yeah yeah so why is it manager you know as opposed to coach and in the original days like the baseball manager was kind of like a band manager you like this was the person like you know, scheduling lineups and, you know, you know, I mean, you gotta go, you know, like, oh yeah, we'll come and travel and play you guys and making arrangements. And that would have been the manager. It does sound annoying. Okay. All right. So why do we call the person in charge of a basketball, football team? Why is it coach? What's the, what's the origin of coach? Mm. Coach. Yeah. Like a coach car. It is related to the stagecoach and the coach or traveling Mm. coach. Yeah. I looked into this. And apparently, the word coach first arose on, like, university campuses, meaning, like, a tutor, essentially. You would have a private tutor, mm-hmm. and the... And they'd go along with you to... The, the imagery is they're coaching you, meaning they're, they're transporting you. you. They're carrying uh, you yeah. through to success. That makes sense. In your academic endeavors. Huh. And it, it, you know, you can see pretty quickly how it would leap from, like, a academic tutor or a coach to a sports coach wow yeah and that i found that really interesting and that is interesting it is kind of poetic yeah Yeah, very yeah yeah so there's always that moment someone watching baseball is like wait why why is he wearing a uniform like i i always wish that i don't know i kind of wish i could see (laughs) basketball coaches wearing the the same (laughs) the shorts and the tank top and all that it would look a little silly (laughs) so every company has a founder or founders people who establish 
a, uh, a, a, a company that may go on to do great things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, many of those people, uh, when looking for a name, uh, for their company may look as, only as far as themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and will name their company after themselves. Okay. Uh, and so this is a quiz about companies that are, that are named for the founders. Okay. Of that company. Okay. Got it. Um, there, there also, there is an overarching, uh, there is, there is another thematic thing going on. There is another theme that is, that is beyond the boundaries of, of the theme that I have just suggested, which is that, right. Oh, okay. There's so, as you're, there's a meta theme. There's another theme. Okay. So okay. as we're going through, try to, uh, the, yeah, there, there, there's a, uh, there's a pattern. It's a pattern. Okay. Sure. Yes. Buzzing okay. in? Uh, we are buzzing in. This restaurant was opened in Lodi, California in 1919 by Roy Allen and Frank Wright. Uh, Colin. That's A&W. That is A&W. Yes. Roy Allen and Frank Wright. A. Allen Wright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. California ice cream shops, Burton's Ice Cream and Snowbird Ice Cream, merged in 1953 to form a new ice cream place, Named after the two founders. Burton and... Oh. Is it Baskin-Robbins? It is Baskin-Robbins. Oh! Burt, Baskin, and Irv Robbins. Oh, I see Merge their shops. Theme. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. Uh, this guy named his company after himself. Uh, and he founded that company after he initially purchased the magazine publisher Vogue. Uh, uh, Karen. Condé Nast? Condé Nast! Yes! Okay. Yes. From whom all my paychecks yes, are derived. <laughs> yes, Condé Nast. That is a guy. His name was Condé Nast. Really? Yeah. First name Condé? Condé. First name Condé, last name Nast. Nast. Yep. At the end of the movie Hannibal, uh, the title character uh, is seen eating foie gras, uh, purchased at this upscale, very upscale chain of grocery stores, which was initially opened in New York City. Oh. Uh, Karen. I've never watched the movie. Yes. Dean and DeLuca. It is Dean and yeah. DeLuca. Yes. Of there were additional hints yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh, right. Well so done. Crafted in such a way that, yes. The founder's name is often dropped when this camera company is mentioned, but it's really in there, or it's supposed to be in there. Colin. Uh, is it Eastman Kodak? Eastman yeah. Kodak oh. is the, is still to this day the actual proper name of the, uh, yes. Is it two guys? No, just mm-hmm. guy's name is Eastman. They made it. He made up the word Kodak. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ah, okay. uh, is the is the theme you thought was the theme not the theme? Not the theme. The nickname. <laughs> Check me, Chris. I guess I did. <laughs> the nickname of this car company's founder was Il Commendatore. Uh, <laughs> Colin. Il Commendatore. Okay, he's Italian. Uh, Ferrari. Yes. Okay. Enzo Ferrari okay. was known as Il Commendatore. <laughs> This company was named for its founders, Gary Burrell and Min Cow. Gary Burrell and Karen. KB Toys? Nope. Oh, that was a good one, though. <laughs> Gary Burrell, G-A-R-Y-B-U-R-R-E-L-L, and Min Cow, M-I-N space K-A-O. Yeah, KB Toys would be good. B-K-A-B. Yes. Not Reebok. Uh, they use their first names. Oh. And they made a nice little portmanteau of them. Gar- oh. Garmin? Garmin. Whoa! Gary GPS manufacturer. That's right. Yep. I have one right Whoa. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this company, this, this founder named company, uh, which Ken Jennings knows very well, is rather unique in that most of its employees work only four months out of the year. Oh, jeez. Uh, Karen. H&R Block. H&R Block. Mm-hmm. That's um, a question that Jen, Ken Jennings went out on. Yeah. Uh, yes, that ended his Jeopardy streak. This retail store was founded by a guy named Ingvar Kamprad. <laughs> Everybody. Ikea. Yes, is a acronym of Ingvar Kamprad and the family farmer he was born, Elmtarud, <laughs> and the, and a nearby oh, village, yes. Agunaris. Yes. Sounds accurate. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, Very yes. Swedish. Ikea. Uh, finally, finally, and sticking with names I can't pronounce, James Liautoud. L-I-A-U-T-A-U-D? Lip-Lotoad? James Latoad founded this fast-growing sandwich shop in 1983. Yes, remember? Jimmy John's? Jimmy John's! Oh. Yes! That's James. He doesn't go by James. He goes by Jimmy John. Oh, that's Leo a sandwich place. Taut. It's yeah. a sandwich place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're growing fast. They are growing fast. They are growing fast. (laughs) So, just as a recap, that's A&W, Baskin-Robbins, Condé Nast, Dean & DeLuca, Eastman Kodak, Ferrari, Garmin, H&R Block, Ikea, and Jimmy John's. They're in alphabetical order. They're in alphabetical order. Okay. Well done. Well done. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Wow, the Garmin one blew me away. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. uh, Yeah, I really like that one. When I saw that one, I was like, oh, that's... That's nice. Yeah. And I think, Not a lot I think of first really, names. That's elegant. Yeah. Not a lot of first yeah. names, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Jimmy John's. Jimmy yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's like a nickname. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Childhood nickname. Fast-growing sandwich chain. I was like, Subway? <laughs> yeah, Bob? that's what I was saying. No. I was like, yeah. Uh, like, Quiznos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's his name. Quiznos. His name James. Togos? James, James Togo 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 oh, Togo yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I go by Togo. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I didn't prepare the vice president president. Uh, actor you said course. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm real disappointed. <laughs> I'll bring it back. I'll bring it I'll back. It so everybody, don't spoil yourself. It was in my dreams. Okay, um, <laughs> I'll come back. So we are recording this podcast right now, the day before Boston Marathon. By the time you're going to hear this, it's going to be a couple of weeks after mm-hmm. that. Um, so congrats to whoever <laughs> wins tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Congrats to Lily Sitaisa for winning the Boston Marathon. Great job. What a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I always knew that Lily Sitaisa could do it. Yeah. Just great. Just a lot of running. A lot yes. of moving. Just one foot after the other. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I've been running recreationally for years, but only started racing, like actually mm-hmm. attending, re- registering for races for the last five years. So I haven't been a racer uh, for that long. And even though I'm plugged into running more than your usual average bear. Um, I still have a lot to learn. So I, I read, I would flip through running magazines. And one of the magazines a couple of years ago, I flipped through was runner's world and they had this article and I just want, and I had no idea that this existed, but let me set the stage, set the scene, New York city, Madison square garden, 2011 people in the crowds were basically on their toes Right now, watching the fastest two men booking it as they race the final two laps of the Wanamaker Mile. Very climatic, huh. a very big race. And so by that time, there's a guy called Matt Scher. He's just standing inside the track, like, you know, in the, the oval part inside the track, just kind of watching. Uh, he's super sweaty. 
Uh-huh. And the guy next to him, like, is kind of looking at Matt. I was like, why is he puffing? Why is he yeah. panting? Why is he sweating? It's almost as if he uh, was running the race they're watching right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he was. Welcome to the very, very weird world of rabbiting. What? A rabbit in the running world is basically a pace setter. Mm. When I really boil it down, they're paid to run the first portion of a race and then drop out. Mm. Okay. They're paid to drop out. So is, is like rabbit like in a greyhound race? Is that the illusion? The illusion, yes. The illusion is oh, uh, oh, oh, like okay. in a dog okay, race. They okay. have the little fake rabbit. Um, why? Why? Yes. Why? Why why do you why would anybody do this? And why is this good? And why why does this practice exist? So basically a rabbit is hired to accurately lead the early part of a race in a very specific time, in a very specific pace. So they're also known as pace setters or pacers. He or she is a visual embodiment of time. Okay. That person is running at a steady internal clock. Uh. Like I need to hit this and this and this. So other runners who are actually competing know how they're doing yeah how oh they're sure doing. if, they, if they're behind not... the guy or they're in front of the guy they can yeah. just look and be like i'm too i've been running for 22 minutes whatever. yes right okay. uh, uh because right now i mean you know a lot of the runners and even though we have all these fancy gadgets that yeah. tell us how fast we're when you're running a big race like yeah. this you just you know you're just, going. You're, you're just, just going. running yeah. yeah so in the recent years almost every middle distance to long distance like marathons uh, all the world records have been uh, made possible because of the help of rabbits. Oh. Yep. Or pacers. They serve the role as being something tangible mm-hmm. uh, on the track. They are not allowed at world championship or Olympic competition. Um, and this is why there are not a lot of world record performances at the Olympics. Oh. So if huh. you think about it, Interesting. the pacemaker is helpful for the runners they can estimate their effort. They can estimate their time. Yeah, it's like, oh, I should mm-hmm. pour it on right now. Yeah. Or I'm burning too hot. I need yes, to slow down a little bit. A, yeah, I need to ease up. Hmm. And physiologically, it is easier to run from behind than to run in front. A good estimate is that it takes about 15% less effort to run behind somebody. Hmm. Second of all, of course, is psychologically, it's easier to run from behind because you're not the target, you're right. following a target. Right. You see a target and you're running towards it. The odds of you winning a race if you're leading from start to finish is so slim, slim oh, to none. Because oh. you're the target, everybody's going after you. Mm-hmm. But if there's if there's a guy in front of you, and that's who of, everybody's looking there's at. There's a lot of mental pressure. Yeah. Um, huh. I can see that, yeah. Just the psychological pressure of being in first is like, am I running faster than I need to? How close are they? Could I slow down and still stay in first? It's- what if I'm really in last? Is this the right day? Yeah. <laughs> the race today? <laughs> and then you're in third. Yeah. yeah. Right. Almost all current world records are made happen in various distances huh. because of pacemakers, because of rabbits. That makes so much sense. But, however, you know, as much as they're helpful for athletes to break records, purists argue that hiring these rabbits kind of, uh, you know, takes the competitive nature yeah. of running away. Um, some races hire rabbits, uh, such as Berlin Marathon and London mm-hmm. Marathon, and they're usually the marathons that you see 
world records being hmm. broken ah. because they have these rabbits in place. However, a New York Marathon and Boston Marathon do not use rabbits. And who hires rabbits? Uh, sometimes it's the runners who mm. want to break the record. Sometimes it's the race. You know, the race would hire rabbits just so to help collectively runners as a whole. But I mean, it, it really is kind of a yeah, tricky issue. Yeah, it's also good if you, you know, if you're running a race, uh, if somebody breaks a record at that race, it gets you publicity. So like you have good PR for the race. Yeah. Good PR right, for I the think, race yes. is what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for, I mean, most of these rabbits are anonymous because hmm. they hmm. get paid to run a certain amount at a certain amount of time. And then they just walk off. Are people hiring rabbits to help them out on the sly? Yeah. Like, are they, they're having rabbits. <sighs> like, you're my buddy in the race. And yeah. I, I'll just make but it really worth your while. And then they disappear. So, this happens. Even if, you know, a lot of races don't allow rabbits, it still happens. You can, I mean, it, maybe it could be a friend or maybe yeah. it's a teammate, maybe at cross country meets. Um, actually, that's part of the strategies for a lot of relay runners or for a lot of team runners. One person will rabbit for one day at the meet, and then another mm, teammate will wow. rabbit for another. And it helps the team. Yeah, if, if a race does not allow it, you have to do it secretly. So wow. these rabbits, they're like, they're world-class runners, though, right? They're running as fast as the people who are about to set a record, or they do they enter later? So rabbits only are in charge for the first part of the race. So they so only have to run for a while. They only have stop. to run for like say half of a distance and then oh, they okay. can drop yeah. off. So it is possible for I mean they have to be good runners to begin right. with. Yeah. But they can um, they can pour it on. Yeah, they don't have yeah. to exert as much effort because they don't have to finish the race. Right. And that that is what makes a good rabbit is they have a good internal clock. Mm. When the race director mm. or what they're hired for, their gig is to say you run this amount at this time at this pace, mm -hmm. you do it. There is a guy, Paul Pilkington uh, he was the designated rabbit at the 1994 Los Angeles Marathon. Um, and he did a good job the year before. And so uh, the race director contacted him and was like, oh, please rabbit again. So he was paid about $3,000 for rabbiting and an extra $3,000 to hit his time. Oh, it's yeah, it's, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. Well, the in extra incentive to do a great job. Exactly. Yeah. That day was really, really hot. For that race, there weren't a lot of elite runners, like professional runners. So Paul asked the race director, well, you know, there are not a lot of elite runners. What happens if no one follows me? Yeah. And the race director goes, you know, just just hit the time that you're supposed to hit. <laughs> you know, just and that's the thing. Yeah. They're they're hired to hit the time. Right. Yep. Um, okay. And they sometimes have to make decisions on the fly, but usually you just got to hit your you're, time. You're like a human metronome. Just so... <laughs> Paul told everybody, like, I want to finish the race because most rabbits just drop off mm. yeah. and they don't finish the race. Uh, he's like, oh, I want to finish the race. I'll slow down for the second half after I hit my time. Uh, so it was a really, really hot day. <laughs> and he's running. Paul's taking off, doing a really good time rabbiting. Very, very on track. And he hit the halfway point. No <laughs> one was near him. So he kept going. And still no one challenged him. He thought maybe, oh, someone will, will pass me by. Yeah. Because now he's just sort of do, do, do. Yeah. He's like, do, do, do. I don't have to run as fast. Right, and, you right. know, he hit his yeah. time. He made his 3,000 plus 3,000. And then now yeah. he can slow down yeah. and, and, you know, enjoy the race and finish. At the 22 mile mark, there was still no, but there was still no one. <laughs> You're four miles away from the finish line. Yeah. And he's like, do, 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 do. And then he won. <laughs> now. Yeah. So the thing is, all the runners know. Uh, for some reasons, all the runners know who is the designated rabbit. And yeah. he so was, they knew he, he was, was 
entered in this race. Yes, he was entered. Yeah. He they're was all, officially, yeah. he had a number, he's entered. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. the bib and they're everything. They're all okay. official. Yeah. They're all official. Yeah. A runner from Italy came in 39 seconds later and crossed the finish line. Yes, I won! <laughs> oh, LA Marathon! No. I'm first place! No, wait, wait, wait. It was so, co- so 39 seconds. Okay, so people were, they were not like, Super, super far behind. But 39 That's seconds kind of is a long time. 39 for, seconds for, is a long time. Yeah. Yes. And then it's like, oh, you're silver medal winner. And he yes. was so mad. The Italian yeah. runner's like, wait, how come? I thought, I thought the rabbit dropped out. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. So he wasn't pushing but he, harder. But he so, didn't. But he didn't. And, and it's not uh-huh. like he was, he was pumping it. Oh, at that's the last interesting. So I do kind of feel bad for the like, Italian yeah. guy. Yeah. He's like, I maybe would have run harder if I yeah. knew the rabbit was ahead of me right, or something. Right, yeah. right. If Paul was the rabbit and he was that far ahead and then he mysteriously dropped out, that's even shadier. (laughs) He would look like an idiot. Right, right. To be 39 seconds ahead and be like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Probably way more than 39 seconds because he slowed down a lot after. Good point. Exactly. And so people are like, wait, what happened to that guy? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, this is, here's the debate. Great for world records, which means Berlin or London for some of these races, which makes for it makes for boring uh, race watching hmm. for the spirit of running. You don't have like, oh, head to head, this runner versus this runner. Mm-hmm. If they're all trying to gun with rabbits to break a world record, the race is actually kind of boring to watch. There is no. It's, all, it's almost like all the runners are playing the course instead of racing each other. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's that's kind of the debate. Huh. Well, what do, what do you think, Karen? You are, I mean, hands yeah. down, you are the only serious runner among us. I mean, what do you? Because like my my take is they're just different. Like I don't I don't I don't know. I would say like yeah, without a rabbit seems maybe more pure, but they're just different. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think hitting world records is a very very hard thing to do, and whatever can help you. That's not cheat. It's not cheating. Yeah. I think right. this is. I think they are a visual embodiment. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. I think they should get more credit than than they're given. Uh, these rabbits are mostly anonymous. Nobody even knows they exist, you yeah. know, for, for non-runners. They get paid okay. This is a great job for a lot of former professional runners. They pick up the job as a pacer. They can... Uh, they can rabbit for a lot of races, make some money, and they still enjoy running, and they help out other people. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's that bad. I mean, do I really want to see... You know, of course you want to see everybody succeed. That's my take. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of cool... Being the leader of the pack, and then whoop, drop out. I bet technology, like when VR gets better or augmented reality, it'll be like you have a rabbit the whole time. You're, like you a hologram runner? Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, there's that per. Okay, I can oh, pass them. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. You're, and, or on the ground, like a track. That yeah. Can, yeah. You well, can like, like, be like, oh, at this point, I need to be faster. So you program it so it'll start going faster. And yep, you're like, okay, yep, yep. Here we That's go. That's yeah. kind of interesting. Well, they do that like when they show it on the Olympics. They'll show you here's the world record well, timeline, yeah, but, but, but but they can't see they it. They can't yeah. see it. Yeah, right? and I feel like a lot of the sport is their internal clock. Yeah, the rabbits yeah, yeah. are good, not because like they got all these gadgets. It's because they know exactly mm-hmm. this is this pace. This is this pace. Actually, the LA Marathon guy, they usually have a range at the halfway mark. He was asked to run to the halfway to hit between one hour and five minutes and. One hour, five minutes, and 15 seconds. Wow. <laughs> His window is 15 seconds wow. to get that extra $3,000. Wow. He hit it in 105.10. Yes. Man. So that's how good they That's are. really right. impressive. Right. Yeah. That's so crazy. A 15-second yeah. window, and he oh, hit it. Uh, yes. <laughs> wow. Cool. I had no idea. 
All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening Good Job, Raina. This week we're following the leader. All right, I have a grab bag kind of quiz for you guys. These are leaders who also have animals in their names. Oh. Are are there that many? I guess. There are some. It's a grab bag. So it's uh, leaders who have animals in their names or um, like animals that are related to leaders or ruling or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So leaders, animals, basically. Yeah. So the answer will probably... Animal leaders and leader animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chairman Yeti. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll start off. Chairman with- of the boar. Oh, that's good. That's not funny. No. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I didn't laugh. I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> telling, I'm telling our listeners. Start with some softballs. This San Francisco giant, or former San Francisco giant, uh, was known as the Kung Fu Panda. Karen. Oh, why did I... <laughs> Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Getting those sports questions. This is a, a famous coach and player of a basketball team. Uh was in prominence in the nineties. Larry Bird. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say Jason Kidd, like the kid of the oh. oh. spelled wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's uh. Is he a coach? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, he, he coaches the Milwaukee Bucks now. Oh. Yeah. Another random Two inside baseball or inside basketball. Who was the Teton Dakota Indian chief who united the Sioux tribes? Chris. Sitting Bull. Sitting oh, Bull. Yes. I knew it was. I thought Dances like, with Wolves. Buffalo. Uh, something. Yeah. yeah. This king of England was known as the Lion Hearted or the Lion Heart. Uh, Colin. That's a uh, Richard the third. third. Okay, the first. The uh, first. Okay, yes. Richard the first. <laughs> Richard the Lionheart. <laughs> yeah. He was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yes. Who yeah. was also in Dances with Wolves? Let's <laughs> <laughs> bring it back. Good job. Wait, really? Oh, via Kevin Costner. Via Kevin oh, Costner. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> He's a TV producer. Of the Law and Order series. <laughs> Dick Wolf. Rest his soul. Mm-hmm. He's dead? He did. He passed away. When? Mm, maybe two years ago. Oh. Wait, I don't know. He's dead. He's not dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's still alive. Thank goodness. Sorry. There you go. Fact check. that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and he's still alive. He is, for sure. <laughs> There's one thing that's for sure. He's alive. Yes. Still producing quality TV shows. Many of them. So many. All right. This jazz musician uh, was a leading figure in the development of bebop, 
and this was his nickname, or his nickname was Bird, or oh, Yard Bird. Oh, Charlie Bird Parker. Yes. Now we'll get into a little bit more grab baggy. Both Scotland and Wales have mythological creatures as their national animals. What are they? Karen. Griffin? No. Oh, dragon. <laughs> yep, one is Welsh a dragon. Is dragon. Yep. And Scott. Uh, Chris? Chimera. Wait, no, no. Medusa. Medusa? No, no. It's a unicorn. What, really? Oh. What, for whales? <laughs> no, for Scotland. For Scotland? Yeah. yeah. A unicorn? Oh. Yes. Wow. How do you remember that? Hmm. Hmm. Well, we just hmm. know Wales is the dragon. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's the other one. <laughs> I just thought it was a griffin. Yeah, there's a bunch of countries that have mythological creatures as like their national animals. Hmm. Cool. Including Portugal, North Korea, Indonesia, hmm. Hungary, Greece. Guess what Greece's uh, mythological creature is? Oh. Chris. Batman. Wait, no. on their flag? No, it's their, <laughs> their just, national their, their animal. Their spirit like, animal. Look at their right, spirit yeah. animal. Oh, it's, uh, is it not Medusa? She's not an animal. No, I mean, not, Morgan? An animal. not an animal. Oh. No. Uh, Greece's... Pegasus. Oh, that would have been good, but oh. no. it's an, That would have been good. Greece's it's a phoenix. Animal. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. I was like, that's cool. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, Czech Republic also has it, and so does Bhutan. Huh. I was like, that's interesting. It's a cool a, animal. Pretty cool. Yeah. So the Albanian flag has a two-headed eagle on it. Yes. What is what does the two-headed eagle mean? What does that stand for? Oh. Um okay. So it it's like it's like black and red, right? The flag? Yeah. And one has an eye and one doesn't and one is looking to the past and one is looking to the future. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. No. No, I, no sorry. No. I think that's Think about one it in, in, okay. in the context of leadership. One of them is looking Left and the other is looking right. Yeah, but they're both the same eagle. It's a two-headed eagle. <laughs> right, there's that's connected. It encompasses the entire political spectrum in oh, one. Oh, oh left what? and right. Yeah, oh, kind the of the left wing and the right wing. As <laughs> oh, like actual wing. That's pretty politics. good. Thank you. That's, Thank that's you. Thank you. Good. Sounds like a good made-up answer. It's yeah. a no. vice president. President. One of them is the eagle of. Truth, and the other is the eagle of lies. Again, oh, yeah. again, they're the same eagle. Oh, it just has yeah. two heads. Okay, yeah. so one, one represents head is the head of religion. Oh. oh, and one is the head of secular oh. government. State oh, okay. government having dominion over both the religious hmm. and the secular. That's and not separation a, of church and state. No, <laughs> that's the combination of church, church and state into yeah. one terrifying creature. Yeah. yeah, it's a common symbol in in that area oh. of the world. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Our ten other answers are equally as interesting. (laughs) Yeah, all of our added up. They were less correct. They were all one hundred percent untrue. Yeah, (laughs) I want like a big mouth Billy Bass, but it's a two headed eagle, and it's like (laughs) no, it seems no, seems fly like an eagle. Yeah, eagle. And then the other they head, and the face. other head, they face each other, and they face away. They, they lean face out, each other. right? They yeah. lean out. Five, I can <laughs> they still sell yes. Um, of course they still sell okay, those. Yes. What am yeah. I saying? Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. 
Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All righty, Colin. Follow the leader. I'm following you because you're taking us home. I will. Well, also, you're a camp counselor. You used to be a camp counselor. I so did. You're very good at leading. I did. Well, you know, and here's the, the trick about well, being the camp counselor. Him. You, you got to walk backwards a lot. Oh, you yeah. Do that all the time. Oh, but not only that, but on like, on like rocky terrain, too. <laughs> like yeah. on uneven footing. And always kind of counting. Constantly yeah. counting. No, yeah, seriously. Sure. One of the first times, like, because Carl and I used to work together, we were out to lunch and we're walking and he is walking backwards. Like, <laughs> I like, caught myself. I was like this. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, I can't help it. I'm a camp counselor. I'm hurting you guys. Yeah, but I was doing yeah. the head count. Yeah. Yeah. You're like a, like Where's a human corgi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have one extra kid, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I guess that's better than, yeah. yeah. I have a story about leaders for you that involves music and biblical prophecies and mysterious deaths. All right. Have I got your attention now? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm a big fan of Jamaican music, uh, in particular ska music uh, and early reggae. Uh, If you listen to Jamaican music, in particular reggae, uh, long enough, it will not be very long (laughs) until you hear about, learn about, read about the Rastafari movement. Now, uh, it's not a coincidence that Rastafari is so closely tied to music because I think it's safe to say that probably the most famous member of the Rastafari movement mm. ever is probably Bob, Bob, Bob Marley. Marley. Bob Marley, yes. So what is it? I'm glad you asked. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, let's, let's what, 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 how would you describe the, if I said like a, someone's a Rasta, what, what does that mean to I you? I know it's just a style. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, and I did certainly, you know, before I learned about it, I, I thought it was more just a culture, a lifestyle. I mean, definitely most people, if you know about Rastafari movement, it's, you know, okay, well, it's associated with Jamaica. You know, I know yeah. that <laughs> the Rastafari movement is a religion. It, it is, it is not just a lifestyle or a culture. It is a religion. Specifically, it's an Abraham religion uh like judaism like christianity oh. like like hmm. islam uh among others those are certainly the three uh largest ones uh meaning that all of these religions can trace their origins and their belief systems back to abraham bible big a abraham the other thing to point out very quickly here is people in the movement do not at all like the term rastafarianism Oh. You know, one oh. of the, one of the main sort of, uh, undercurrents of Rastafari belief is they're, they're against isms in particular. Oh. And you'll hear this in a lot of reggae music. They, they, yeah. they want to be sort of anti-dogmatic in that sense that, you know, you're, you're a Rasta, a Rastafari, the way it makes sense to you. We're not going to oh, tell, we're not going to tell it. you this is the way to do it. Got it. Um, so the Rastafari movement uh, started in Jamaica, duh, uh, in the 1930s, and you know it largely had its roots in the Back to Africa movement. Yeah. Okay, now if you know anything about the Back to Africa movement of the 1920s and 30s, uh, Marcus Garvey, probably the 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 father of that movement, certainly identified as such. So Marcus Garvey, who was Jamaican. Uh, he was actually hugely influential in setting the course of Rastafari movement, or Rastafarians, if you will. They believe that their messiah, okay, so the, the holy figure, the god of the Rastafari movement, uh, is Haile Selassie. He was the emperor of Ethiopia from 1930 until he was overthrown in 1974. And wow. his family and his, his lineage goes all the way back to Solomon. 
Okay, oh, again, yeah. biblical Biblical Saul, big ass Solomon. Yes. So so he he claims to have been the last sort of in that direct descendant of rulers of Ethiopia. Now, Haile Selassie was his coronation name. Okay, so you know, much the way that like when the Pope comes into office, it's not his given name, he'll take on a new name. Mm-hmm. The same was true for Haile Selassie. Now his pre coronation name uh-huh. and title was Raz Tafari Makonan. Oh! Okay, so Raz in this case is like a title. And now I had mentioned Marcus Garvey earlier. So leading up to the birth of the Rastafari movement, uh, Marcus Garvey was a big, big deal. Very influential, especially among poor people and disenfranchised mm-hmm. people in Jamaica and really part of starting pan-Africanism. The idea of our, our destiny is back in Africa. You know, we were scattered around the world through slavery and other means and really trying to get back there. And among people who are part of the Rastafari movement now, a lot of them will consider him a prophet. That Marcus Garvey mm-hmm. wasn't just a, a, a charismatic man and a leader. He was a prophet. In 1927, Marcus Garvey is said to have said, Look to Africa, for there a black king shall be crowned. And indeed, just three years later... Rastafari Makonan was crowned emperor of Ethiopia. Now, in the eyes of many, many Jamaicans, this was a prophecy being fulfilled. This was the king of kings, emperor in Ethiopia. Um, And not only that, but he was in many ways sort of the, the, the one legitimate king of Africa at that time. I mean, outside of Liberia, Ethiopia at the time was the only country in Africa free of colonial influence yeah, at that time. Yeah. And he was, you know, considered a peer among the kings and queens around the world, the other royalty. So this was a big deal. And virtually overnight, the, the movement was booming. So, I mean, the name comes directly from, from his, his name. name. Yes, yeah. Rastafari Makonan. We are the Rastafari movement. So this is episode is about leaders, right? Now I want you just to think for a moment. Like, imagine you're Haile Selassie on you've assumed the throne in Ethiopia and someone comes to you and says all right well there's a nation thousands and thousands of miles away from here and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people there who believe you're the messiah yeah that's a lot to swallow right i mean you know we think we hear of you know messiahs and prophets and we think it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years ago this is like our modern era you know like my grandpa was alive at this time Mm -hmm. now to his credit he was always very respectful in how he handled this oh was he gonna shut them down no you could go, you could go a lot of different directions with this at that point. Yeah. Um, so Haile Selassie, he was Christian. Ah. You know, he definitely understood all of his connections to the biblical world and the ancient world yeah, and his Solomon, connection yeah. potentially to prophecies. So he could have just come out and said, no, you got the wrong guy. It's <laughs> yes. not, not sorry, not me. That's, uh, you got somebody else. But no, he didn't. I mean, he was very respectful. He understood that, wow, this is a, a, a nation. This is a big deal. And he was, in fact, very sympathetic to the idea of a pan-Africanism movement. And he was, at least he said he was very sympathetic to the idea of repatriating blacks around the world back to Africa. Africa. You know, logistically, this could be a problem. In 1961, the Jamaican government, they sent a delegation of Rastafari, and and other you know leaders to come say hey can you kind of help us out? Are you on board with this? Yeah. And to yeah. his credit, he, he said... your magic powers. Right, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. You know, I mean, keep in mind, like, this is a man who, if you are a, a true adherent of Rastafari, this is God. Like, you're talking... Yeah. It's as if, like, a Christian went to have an audience with Jesus, you know? Yeah. And he he said, I'm, I'm willing to help. I'm, I'm down with the cause, basically. So Jamaica got independence the following year, okay, in 1962. A few years later, in 1966, Haile Selassie went to Jamaica, okay? So he flew there, basically, to 
you know, hold court and talk to people. This day is considered the second holiest day in the Rastafari wow. movement. I mean, the first holiest day would be his coronation. Of course. But they, in the Rastafari movement, call about Groundation Day. Literally, the day that our Messiah came to it's our ground, ground touched yeah. ground in Jamaica. And here's where I think this is a, a deft act of logistical statesmanship. You know, he came to Jamaica, and his message was basically, I believe in the Back to Africa movement. I, I, I am committed to helping you, but I think you need to focus on liberating your brothers and sisters in Jamaica first. Mm. And then we can focus on repatriation. You know, and that, that is, that sort of became the goal of liberation before repatriation. Again, you know, keep in mind there are a lot of very poor people, a lot of, as I say, very disenfranchised people in Jamaica at the time who made up the early core of the Rastafari movement. That's where they sort of left it, is, okay, we're going to get our stuff in order, get all of our brothers and sisters lifted up, and then we will uh, focus on getting back to Ethiopia. He was eventually, as I say, overthrown uh -huh. um, in 1974. He is said to have died in 1975. Okay, sort of the the ex leader. Now, the official story is that he died from respiratory failure. Uh, there are a lot of people who believe he was killed for political reasons. You know, I say there was overthrow and You're, you know, there there the Messiah are Messiah has to. Get killed. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. that's true. There are people, yeah. there are people in the Rastafari movement who doubt that he ever died at of all. Course, of course. You know, <laughs> certainly at the time. If he were still alive today, that would be quite an achievement. He would be, uh, well, well over a hundred years old. But that was sort of how it ended with his time on earth. And so to this day, the Rastafari mm. movement, he is their messiah. He, he is their divine being that was on the earth with us. <laughs> for a very long time. Hmm. Just the role of having leader thrust upon you, that's a lot to carry. Yeah. Emperor in and of itself. Well, wow, geez, I'm yeah. emperor now. This is this is really crazy. It's uh, like, oh, hey. Wait, what's, what's going <laughs> on? Yeah. This whole country thinks you're, you're yeah. a deity like, almost. Like, that is the birth of the name and hmm. the man from which Rastafari movement takes its name. I really thought it was just a way of life, like being chill. Yeah. And being cool to people. I mean, and... I, mean, know, I guess that's related, yeah. like being cool to people. It is related. You know, there are... I mean, every religion's a little bit different, but, you know, the, the focus in... It is on, like, that we're all united by the same life force, the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, this is... You're describing uh, Jedi, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Jedi, however, do not have uh, marijuana as a sacred herb as part of their practices. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely true. That yeah, The use of marijuana, it's, again, it's, you might think, oh, sure, it's... Uh, reggae music it's you know party music no like marijuana is a, a holy a holy herb mm -hmm. to uh, people who follow Rastafarian yeah alright and that is our show thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in hope you learned a lot of stuff about leaders Rastafarians and uh, one day I promise I will bring <laughs> my dream quiz yeah. So, yeah, make it happen. You guys were there too. Like you guys were all there. Yeah. I just, we enjoyed it. <laughs> you, were a, yeah. you were there. You were there. You were there. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, GoodJobBrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Audible, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. 
All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.